I miss a green, for example, I'm already upset. When I find my ball in the bunker, I'm really upset. And when I find my ball in a fried egg. Fried egg. The dreaded fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg lie, I'm about ready to run off the golf course. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another edition of the Fried Egg Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Polly and Kyle Nathan, and we're going to do a little bit of a recap on the Sony and a preview of the Career Builder Challenge. Kyle, Paul, how are you doing? Good, Andy. Good, Paul. How are you, how are you guys doing? Hey, what's up, guys? Not much. Just getting over the blimp gate of 2018 sony open coverage done mostly by blimp yeah it was it was kind of like straight out of the 70s almost i felt like maybe a shell's wonderful world of golf i honestly thought i was watching like the cdga periscoping the end of like the state mid-am or something at times it was uh it was high quality tv it was a hard it was hard to go from that dramatic football game to periscope and blimp golf just an uneventful six-hole playoff, too. Mm-hmm. Just magnified how bad it was. But I do have to give Golf Channel some props. Like, George Savarikas doing the play-by-play for, like, five hours from, from Orlando was pretty impressive. Um, they uh, They pulled it together for having no audio or real video guys. I'm in complete agreement. I uh, I actually, when I was reading the story in the, on Sunday morning, um, it, I kind of thought they might even just bag it all together on the telecast, but I give them a lot of credit too because they made a lot out of really nothing. So I, I'm with you. Polly, what did you think of uh, Patton Kazire? Second win of uh, the season. He's starting to feel comfortable on tour, and once he kind of got the one win back at the OHL, it seems like when he beat Fowler there, he's just kind of ready to kind of get on a roll. It's similar to what he did when he was on the web.com. Once he got comfortable, he started you know winning a lot of events. Yeah, I think he's kind of in that bucket. We were talking about Harmon and, and Kisner, guys that take a little bit longer to develop but could end up being a really, really good pro for a while. Definitely, especially if you get him on a course where he doesn't have to hit a lot of fairways. It was kind of weird that he kind of wanted Sony because you wouldn't expect his game to fit there. He just hit, happened to hit his irons and putt really well there. But if you get him on a course such as this week where the fairways are a little bit wider, you got a little bit of room to miss off the tee, Kazire could win a lot of tournaments just based upon the fact of how solid his iron and putting game is. Yeah. Outside of Siwoo uh, disappointing me, my biggest regret was that we – Greatly underestimated one Dasuke Takotoka. Well, we did mention him. <laughs> I think uh, there wasn't much intel out on him, and turns out he can he can play a little golf. Yes, definitely. That name seems like a name you can just kind of forget about until the PGA Championship when he has the second round lead. Yeah, because that seems like it's coming for sure. Pulling the old shingle Kadiyama on us. 
Yeah, who was the other guy that last year? It was a two years ago at Whistling. Uh, was that a Tanahara? Yeah, she had shot like, what did she shoot, 63 or something the second yeah. day? It was just unconscious. Well, and the same thing at the match play last year down in Austin. I mean, you were there, right, Andy, right? Yeah, yeah, Tanihara was a giant killer. <laughs> um, so, uh, Paul, you got any other uh, takeaways from yesterday or the whole weekend? No, I think one of the surprising things was that the final winning score was only 17 under. I'm guessing when, you know, guys like Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth teed up on Sunday morning, they were expecting the winning score to be 20. So when Justin Thomas reflects on it, we kind of saw it in his, you know, post-run interview that when he realized that he could have shot, I think, 63 and been in a playoff, it might have stung a little bit because that's definitely not on the realm of possibilities for him on that golf course. Kyle, you got anything? Um, you know, my one takeaway is that Brian Harmon is continuing to just be in fuego and, uh, you know, put himself in position to win, um, seemingly every week now. And we actually got a question from KTEX. He, uh, it's a repeat question. He's asked us a few times, um, about Brian Harmon being a household name over under one and a half wins. And it's hard, you know, winning's a fickle thing in golf, but it's hard to take the under on that. I mean, he's, he's there every week, basically. Yeah, I think he is going to rack up wins in his 30s. I think he's 31, so lots of golf ahead. It Something it's interesting to think about is last year was the year of the 20s, and could we see a the 30-year-olds fight back this year, punch back? And so far in 2018, we've got two 30-year guys in the 30s winning the first two events with Harmon. He heads the career builder after two straight weeks in contention and last two years he finished t3rd and t11th at mint palm springs so obviously a good pick for this week unique format 54 holes before the the cut and it's a pro-am and they play three different courses Polly, what are you looking for at uh palm springs in terms of stats and what are you focusing on so, so in terms of stats, they have the three different courses. They have La Quinta, Nicholas, and the stadium course, uh, which is where they play. They'll play two of the four rounds. So everybody after the cut will play on on the stadium course uh, on Sunday. In terms of stats, I'm going to be focusing most on approach game and ability to make a lot of putts between probably that five to fifteen foot range. These are traditionally some of the best greens on tour in terms of conditioning and speed. So we've seen a lot of guys that have been able to hit approach shots in that zone, just rack up a lot of birdies and take it super deep in this tournament in the past. Last year was a anomaly in terms of the conditioning. I, I mean, it was cold and windy, which is, it's usually very dome-like out there. Yeah, definitely. So I think last year the cut was five under after 54 holes, uh, and in 2016 it was nine under. You had, to, you had to shoot for three rounds to make the cut. Uh, and, and one other thing about the cut, since it's, only be one round on Sundays. If there's actually more than 78 players, they actually cut to 60 in ties instead of 70. So, with a with a condensed leaderboard, I wouldn't be surprised if you have 79 or 80, and you think your guy made the cut being tied for 68th, and he actually misses it. So it's one thing to be aware of for fantasy wise. From what I looked at, it doesn't seem like it's too bomber heavy in terms of the courses don't favor bombers that much. I think it it's more favors like the really steady ball strikers. Am I right there? Yeah, the only thing is I think the par fives are able to attack, and then there are a couple courses, a couple holes in the courses to where you can take driver if you're confident, and that's kind of what like Jamie Lovemark has done in the past in these courses. 
he's felt confident with his driver and he's kind of just swung away with it. And so if there's guys that are going to do that, they have the potential to make, you know, a lot of birdies, but there's going to be a lot of approach shots between, you know, 125 and 150 zone where the guys are hitting, you know, anywhere from gap wedge to maybe nine irons. They're going to have a lot of those each round. So the field is okay. There's only five guys in the top 30 in the world headliner or like Rom and Mickelson. And then the course setup has been the same the last. Now this will be the third year where they play PGA West stadium course, which is the famous Pete Dye design that got booted off of the tour in the eighties for being, you know, because the players hated it so much, the PGA West Nicholas tournament course, and then La Quinta, which has been a staple of the rotation forever. And the easiest course, I was talking to Zach Blair earlier. He said the one thing is that, you know, like a lot of courses, if you can hit it 290, you can get past a lot of the bunkers if you can carry it 290. So with Bubba actually playing back uh, this year for the first time since 2010, is he a play, Polly? Uh, probably not. I think there's a lot other options uh, on the board this week besides Bubba. So let's kick off with one-and-done leagues. Um Kind of who pop for you? So guys, in terms of popping, I mean, if, if you want to go the stud route, obviously like Harmon and Romer there, as you mentioned, Harmon, you know, has played good uh, the last two times here. And he also made it out of Q school on these, on the uh, Nicholas tournament course and the stadium stadium course for a couple of years. And so he got out of here at Q school in 2011, finished eighth there. So, you know, there's a pedigree of playing good at this track and playing good recently. So if you didn't take Harmon last week, this is another good opportunity to get a guy while he's hot. Probably got a pretty good chance of getting a top five or top 10 this week. Some people may want to choose John Rahm this week, but I'm probably going to end up saving him for later in the year. But he has, you know, he's only played here once before, but he's clearly the best player in the field by a, by a long shot in terms of like world ranking. So you could go with him and then you, you could always go for some of the other guys down the line. We can kind of talk some of those maybe when we kind of go through like the DraftKings portion, we can kind of, talk about who may be a potential one and done option as well it seems like the key with Rom is like you just he's going to be a good pick for almost any golf course or any field he's finished in the top 10 45 percent of his starts since he's uh in any pro event so it's just a matter of avoiding like not getting unlucky and having it be a one bad week of the year he kind of seems like a guy to hold for a major because you know his pick percentage would be pretty low in the major you'd think yeah the only thing i'm afraid with rom is that if he wins a couple times early in the year before major he all of a sudden may become a popular pick for the majors right and we've seen it with guys happen before so you know this may be a week where if you take rom maybe he's only five or ten percent owned in your league and if he wins you get a massive edge right yeah that's i mean i don't think a lot of people will be picking him this week Another high-profile guy would be like Patrick Reed, who's won here before and has has finished a lot of had a lot of high finishes here. It's actually his first start of the year. You like Patrick Reed, or are you fading him? Uh, I I wouldn't take him for one and done this week. So he, he, his victory was when they had a different course rotation. So he's gone twelfth and fifty sixth in the two times they've done this course rotation. So I'm not as much of a fan on these course on these courses than uh, than what was previous. So we've we've talked about Rom, Harmon, and Reed, who are those are the top three price guys on DraftKings. Then also above ten thousand, we've got Kevin Kisner and Phil Mickelson. What do you think about those guys? Or are you looking to get 
you know, one or two of the high price guys. No, if I was going with somebody on DraftKings, it's going to be either be Rom or Harmon up on top, just be, just because of the birdie potential. So if you look at Rom and you see last year he was 34th here, may look like a bad result, but if we dig into it, he had 20 he had 20 birdies last year and finished 34th. He just happened to have you know seven bogeys and two doubles, and on the 16 par fives he played, he only played them two under. Wow. So it seems like there's a lot of room of improvement based on what we know about John Rahm to where he could come out here and, you know, necessarily blow the field away, but he could carry the rest of your lineup. And I don't see guys like Kisner or, 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 you know, or Mickelson carrying a lineup this week. The other thing is, is it kind of goes to what Zach uh, said is that he's long enough that he can get past a lot of the trouble and then it becomes just a wedge fest for him. And I know that's an area where he's worked a ton in the off season. So we could see those improved results this week. Exactly. And he's just a birdie machine. So I think that's the difference between a guy like Kisner and Rom is that every round you're going to see Kisner make probably one or two birdies less than Rom, And over four rounds, that's going to add up and be, you know, a big difference for, for, for drafting scoring. So that's kind of the reason why I like Harmon as well. He, he had 22 birdies in an Eagle here last year, 23 birdies in 2016 and had 31 birdies here in Q school in 2011. So you can definitely fill it up. Do you find the uh, the multi-course events to be easier or harder to handicap? Uh, I would say harder to handicap because in this case, for, and similar to like Pebble Beach, they don't have shot link data for all three courses. In terms of like looking historically, like to figure out trends in terms of where did players perform, how did they perform, did they just play good last year and finish high because they you know putted amazing or what happened? You don't necessarily have all that data, and that makes it difficult. All right, makes sense. Yeah, it's, it's this early part of the season. There isn't a lot of shot link data because just there's a couple of multi-course uh, deals, and you know they had the Asia swing where they didn't have the data. Makes it a little bit more difficult for you. Definitely. So then we go into like the nine thousands and eight thousands, and there's a lot of guys in here that are intriguing, whether it be based off of hot recent play or past results. Who do you like in here? You got Jason Duffner, Webb Simpson, Kazire, who just won last week, Hadley, who was on a tear, Shea Reve. I, I would actually go with uh, with Chez here. So interesting thing with Chez last week, he finished 18th at the Sony Open, and he's kind of a typical guy that finishes between 10th and 20th almost every single time. Uh, so if you look, look at his record, I think he went in his last like six or seven starts, he's finished every time in the top 25, but never in the top 10. This past week, he actually lost five shots on the greens putting and finished 18th. He had his normal putting, which is gaining about about a shot for the whole event, strokes gain putting. He would have finished at 1700 and would have been in the playoff. So, and that's just with a normal putting week. Yeah, the other thing about Revy is he went to college at Arizona State, so you know, very accustomed to playing desert golf. Definitely, yep. and that's kind of the other corollary with Rom as well. They're kind of com- comfortable in this in the situation. So a, a name that popped in here that I just like, you know, saw who I hadn't heard from in so long is crazy is Bill Haas, like kind of been become the for, forgotten man in recent years of golf. Yeah, he's, he's one of my most hated DraftKings plays ever because he just makes zero birdies. So play around and make two birdies, one bogey and not really help your team at all. Uh, and so he's priced here high at 8,600. He missed the cut last week, I believe, down in Sony. So. Even though he has a good track record here, 
I, I don't see enough upside to play him in any DraftKings tournaments this week. What about Brendan Steele? I always feel like he's a, an undervalued guy. Like he, he, People just don't like him, so they don't pick him. And I, I think he's another local guy as well here too. Uh, but, but he's played well here last year, I think, at a top 10 finish. And he's another guy that could, you know, when he gets hot with his game, he can roll, roll a lot of putts in and make a lot of birdies in a round. So I, I definitely like the guys that have the ability to make six, seven, eight birdies in a round. Whereas like Steele could do it. I don't think Haas can do that consistently. So any other ones to add here? Uh, and, that, and that price range you're talking between like 85 and 10,000. Now I, I I don't see any other main guys. There. I mean, I like Webb Simpson a little bit up there, but I think he's going to be very heavily owned based upon how he finished last week. Yeah. He he's, seems to be playing pretty well the last, I don't know, nine months or so. He's really kind of rounding back into, not what he once was, which was a top 10 player in the world, but a really steady, solid player. And he gets it done tee to green. So, Yeah, he, he actually started to figure out his putting. So in his last 10 events, he had positive strokes gain putting in eight of those. So that's kind of where his success has come from. What about one oh, and done for, for Webb? What was that? What about one and done for Webb? Uh, I'm probably going to end up saving him for a few other times in the year where I think he's a better choice. I, I don't know if he has enough upside to win here. I think he'll get you a top 15, but there, there's a couple other choices. Like, I, I'd be more likely to go with Chez probably, and because and, I think he, he's probably – you're not going to use him anywhere else this year, and he's got a good chance of getting a top 15 for you if you're going to go that route. Okay. So then we move into you know kind of under 8,500 and into the 7,000s, and what names pop here? Uh, so the one that, that popped the most to me was down at 7,700 was Brant Snedeker. So Snedeker's, you know, it's his first uh, event of the uh, of the full season. Uh, he, he played, uh, I think, one event in the fall, the RSM, uh, made, made the cut there, hit, hit, started to hit the ball pretty well, and then he went and played, uh, went down and played uh, in Indonesia. And the reason he did that is he was trying to make the top 50 by the end of the year so he could get exempted in the Masters, but he fell ill while playing, so he withdrew down there. So he didn't hit the top 50. So he has a little bit of motivation here to make it in the top 50 so he can go play at Augusta because that tournament is his favorite tournament. It means the world to him. How's his track record at this course? Uh, well, he hasn't played here the last two years for this rotation, but if we look in terms of what skill set we like in this golf course, it's guys that can hit iron shots close and can make putts. Well, that's pretty much Brent Snedeker. If you have a guy sitting at 125, I'll take Snedeker all day to get up and down versus almost any other PGA Tour pro. Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. I know he, he's always he puts really so well on Poe and uh, with the AT and T and the Farmers too. So it's, it's yeah, good. he tends to play well at the beginning of the year too. I, he, I feel like he almost always wins one tournament in the first couple months of the season. Yeah, so I, I'm I'm thinking he notches a win here or has enough high finishes to where he gets in the top fifty come Augusta. It's kind of crazy he's outside the top 50, but yeah. Um, anyone uh, else in this area? Kevin Na, who missed the cut last week at the Sony, but might have had one of the worst putting performances I've ever seen through two rounds. He lost eight shots on the greens in two rounds last week and only shot two over. So if he just putted halfway decent last week, he would have been at six under after 36 holes and been, you know, right there. And he has a pretty good track record. 
uh, at, at the events here. So I, I look for him to kind of bounce back this week and not necessarily win the event, but I wouldn't be surprised to see him finish top 15 this week. I kind of like Grayson Murray. I, I know he's such an idiot on Twitter, but I've, I've, he's going to win a lot of times as a tour pro. He's still only like 24 years old, and he finished, I think, top 15 here last year. It's a name that I think this is a golf course that could set up really well for him. Yeah, he's one of those high upside guys to where if he plays well, which is what you're trying to do if you're trying to win a drafting tournament, you need a guy, if he plays well, to go off. And Murray plays well, he's going to make 25 birdies this week. Mm-hmm. So he definitely has the upside, and he also can make eagles on, on the par fives as well, which is key. How so, about your boy uh, Ryan Armour? Yeah, has oh, his, yeah. Has, my, my man crush on Ryan Armour, I think. Mm-hmm. I, has uh, his, he keeps hitting it solid every single time he plays. So as some of you might follow me on Twitter, I kind of had like a Ryan Armour stat tracker update of how many times he keeps hitting it inside 20 feet. So last week he hit it 32 out of 72 holes inside 20 feet again. Between the two events in Hawaii, he hit almost half his greens. He hit 70 out of 144 inside 20 feet, which is just an insane stat. That is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. And so we also note that he, he's better on Bermuda greens which we have here this week. And uh, in the last couple of times, he's been able to have just average putting round, putting tournaments where he's, you know, right around level or maybe one stroke above average. He's finished the top five those weeks. If he can do that, he can, you know, rely on, rely on his approach game. He can, you know, easily get a top five or 10 this week. It's kind of crazy how good he's hitting the ball. Yeah, I mean, here's a crazy stat that may blow your mind. So in, the, in his last five events he's played, he's gained over 22 shots uh, strokes gained approach. That's, wow. so is he le- is he leading the tour in, in strokes gained approach right now? I think he he's got to be pretty close to up there. I, I haven't looked exactly where he is in the standings. I was looking at the at the tournament by tournament things for the last five. You know, a guy who had a crazy kind of like an under the radar good year last year was Sung Kang at seventy five hundred. You you have any expectations for him this year? Uh, he's a guy that's, I think, just going to pop up every once in a while, maybe somewhere like a Shell Houston Open contend, but I don't see him as a guy that is going to be there week in, week out. When he's, when he's off, he, he's off bad, and when he's on, he's on really good, kind of like how Siwoo Kim was last year. He'll play good three or four times and then not so good the other times. Okay. So then we kind of start to get down into the values, and we got – a guy you liked last week, Bo Hostler at 7,100. Got a lot of younger guys down here. Who, who are you pulling out of this group? So, so I think Haas is another California guy, correct? I believe so. I believe so, yeah. I mean, I, I like him again, especially if you're looking on the betting side. He's 300 to 1 again this week, which I'm kind of surprised in a weak field. Uh, but he's another guy that can put up a lot of birdies. So 7,100 is good for him. Uh, I also like another guy with California ties is Brandon Hagee. Who played golf at Cam? He known is, to play well in easy courses. Yeah, he's scary long too. Yeah, so so he can you know kind of carry those bunkers. So if we look at like his birdie rate over his last five events, he's I think fourth in that. So his last five cuts that he's made, he's had twenty five more birdies total than the average player in those events, which is a crazy stat. So when he plays, makes a cut, he goes crazy in terms of number of birdies. Interesting. I think he. he lives in the off season in Scottsdale so accustomed to desert golf as well. Turns out Wesley Bryan's driver issues are are real, Polly. Yep. 
I think I heard is he, he's, he's uh, putting it on the shelf for for uh, a couple months until the full Florida swing. So he's going with the three wood out here. So <laughs> he's not very so long like, to start. <laughs> no, I mean he, he may get away with it this week, but like, how are you going to do that if you played Tory Pines or like Riviera? There's just no way. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's not going to happen to Tory. <laughs> wants three woods for second shots that's uh it's it's not a recipe for success and um unless then, you're kyle nathan so <laughs> yeah right one one of the crazy stories i read about is is john peterson he's talking about giving up golf if he doesn't secure his card after this me- major medical yeah so he's kind of you know come to the realization that he's getting up there in years i think he's what in his mid to late 20s now right i think yeah, somewhere around there. I mean, he, he's been around for a while, and he had, he had a couple good years about three or four years ago. But I know he's had a lot of injuries the past two years. But sometimes these guys that kind of not necessarily give up, but take a little bit of stress off themselves and pressure, tend to perform really well. And we saw it the last uh, the first two rounds last week at the Sony with Peterson. Yeah, he he won the NCAA championship and the Jones Cup in the same year, which has like only been done by like I think three guys in history of golf he's super talented i mean it's it's been he's quite outspoken and not (laughs) i think he's very misunderstood him and his buddy grayson but it's uh it's an interesting story to 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 watch um yeah one other guy down there i like is you might see uh, maverick mcneely this week in the field so what are your thoughts on him andy I think he's really good. He hasn't had any great performances on tour yet in a lot of opportunities. He seems to be the guy that he'll make cuts, but then he finishes 45th. I mean, obviously, a boatload of talent was the number one player in the world as an amateur for a good stretch of time, but kind of regressed almost. He he had a good senior year, but not like a great senior year and he he played a lot better golf when he was younger so i'm kind of mixed on him obviously he's got a ton of hype but i i don't i don't buy it that much right now i think if i were looking at young guys i'd i'd prefer some other guys on here yeah i kind of feel the same i think he may make the cut this week but i don't think he's gonna do much better than that it's just it's pretty high price for him um at you know, seven thousand. Was he seventy one hundred? Uh, somewhere I think in the high. I thought he was in the high sixes. Maybe about sixty eight hundred, sixty nine hundred. Yeah, sixty nine hundred. Sixty nine hundred. So I, I just like some other guys in that area. Like you know, Sam Ryder. I I'd prefer. He made the cut last week. He didn't. He didn't play great, but like another opportunity where ball striking's at a premium. He's great ball striker. I think you know you look at some other guys too. Um, in this area. You've got Harold Varner. I don't know how you feel about him, um, but not a big fan. I'd rather go with somebody like Taylor Gooch, who played well last week at the Sony, who's sixty-six hundred. Mm-hmm. I mean, like Aaron Wise is a guy at sixty-eight hundred that's priced less than him, and as as a pro, he's done a lot more to prove you know he can he can play at this level than than uh, Maverick McNeely at this point. Exactly. So, and there there's some players in this field here that are kind of a surprise that you're thinking how are they even in this event so if i had to give you these guys who would you guys choose between john daly Corey pavin mark brooks mike weir jason gore hunter mahan if you had to choose oh one gosh. player to do the best this week who would it be I- i'm going with hunter mahan 
Yeah, I would say Hunter Mahan too. <laughs> I, I think I'm gonna put those six guys in a DraftKings lineup and just see how it does. You know, it's it's the ultra contrarian lineup for Andy. So yeah, that would. I don't think it's gonna do very well. You know, one guy I really like is Nate Lashley. He like dominated the Latin American tour two years ago. I think he won four times. He he survived the web. He got up through the web in the in the 25 and. He made the cut last week. I think he's a guy that that could do really well here um, just in terms of like a rookie for the whole year. He's an older guy, but like I, he's he can play and he's shown he can dominate at, a, at you know, the professional level. Yeah, and that's the thing is like some of the guys that have come from some of the smaller tours, the web.com tour, I think tend to play well at this course because they realize they have to make a lot of birdies. And that's what you kind of have to do on the web.com. You have to get to 20 plus under every week, it seems. You know, a guy that played really well that's puzzling to me is Dominic Bazzelli. He played here, you know, he top five last year, but like, I mean, he missed so many cuts, but he had a couple top five finishes. Is he kind of in this like do not touch list? Yeah, I, I wouldn't be touching him this week. When, when he plays well, it's mostly because of his short game. I think he gained five shots on the greens here last year putting. So. I, I contribute that more to variance than anything for a guy to putt. It's, it's hard to depend for a guy to putt that good for a whole week. Mm-hmm. Who How are about Nick Watney? Pretty cheap California kid. Yeah. I mean, he, he's been in a little bit of a, of a slump over the past year, but at that price, I mean, I, I could definitely see taking him over some of the, uh, some of the guys that haven't necessarily proven themselves. Yeah. It's a, it's kind of an uninspiring, uh, 6,000 group here. I saw that yeah. Weecroft missed the cut last week despite leading the field in shots gained on the greens. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was what we say, not, not pretty at that point. So I think, I think he gained 4.2 shots on the greens in the, first, uh, in the first two rounds, and I think he was like minus 5 T to green or something like that. <laughs> Did not <laughs> hit the wall well. Why is Pavin in this field out of curiosity? I didn't even know he still played competitively, to be honest. I'm not sure why he's in here. I mean, he must have come in as obviously as a sponsor's exemption, I would think. But maybe there's some type of deal with with, with some sponsor. Career builder? Possibly, yeah. I'm not really sure. Here's a good question about... Speaking of career building, Philip Johnson wanted to know where does the career builder rank as far as best tournaments for newer players to build their careers? Judging by how many people are in this field, um, it would be a very good one. I feel like this tournament, I always watch it because it's like football winds down and you catch the end of the career builder as part of it. Obviously, I kind of flip between it back and forth, but like this weekend is like the best football weekend of all. Right. Well, you, we just went over a lot of names of, you know, you got your Aaron Wise and Denny McCarthy's and, you know, even if you go all the way to the top to Brian Harmon, even, you know, like this is a, this is a good week for a lot of guys to win Grayson Murray. There's just, I think it's a great week. It's a good field. Um, I'd say it ranks pretty high up there cause it's winnable. Um, but also, you know, it's it's strong field. Yeah, you relatives. got you got all the big name players uh, getting crooked with big oil over there in in uh, Abu Dhabi. All right, I, here's a question. Um, speaking of three course tournaments, I I really liked Adam Sarson. 
he wanted to know overrated, underrated, um, multi-course events. I would say that they are overrated. I'd prefer if the tour would just focus on getting one good course a week, which seems to be very difficult. So Yeah, I'm in the same boat as that. I think I'd much rather have one course per event, especially when they break it down and start doing like the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am to where you're not even seeing any of the shots from, from any of the pros for the first couple rounds, it seems to. I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to say underrated to watch because, I mean, it's in theory, you should be able to see more shots, you know, if coverage would allow you to do so. And as a fan, I, you know, give me all the courses, you know, have it on 10 courses. I think the players, if you ask them, they probably hate it because, you know, it's double the amount of homework or triple in this case. Um, and, you know, like you can have a day where, you know, you don't want to play the hard course on a day where it's blowing 40. Um, so I'm going to say underrated, but not as not from a playing standpoint, more as a fan. I, I just started cracking up because I read Will Knight's question, which is which sponsors exemption makes the most double bogeys this week? Weir, Mayhan, or Daily? <laughs> I think you got to go Daily for his propensity to uh, sling it around the map. I'm going to go Daily. Although in reality, if you had to pick one of those guys to make the cut, I'd probably pick Daily, right? Agreed. Totally. <laughs> I mean, Mike Weir will be playing some skins game probably back in Arizona come Saturday, uh, come come Sunday probably. So, <laughs> I Weir had like a top fifteen finish the last time he started. So I know everyone was bragging him, and I remember noticing that he played pretty solid that day. Um, this is kind of related to the DraftKings, uh, Paulie. For you, how much do you how much favor do you give SoCal guys playing in SoCal events? That's from Shook Lopez. Uh, I'll put a little bit of favoritism towards them, but I, I won't do a ton. I'd much rather look at like course history, but I mean, we mentioned some guys that are local that I think help mm-hmm. a little bit, like kind of like, you know, the Brandon Hagees and stuff like that from guys in California, but I wouldn't focus a ton on it. Jordan on the same Southern California golf course, um, talk wants to know or overrated, underrated Torrey Pines and Southern Cal golf courses in general. I can start. I think Torrey Pines is overrated i i'm not a huge fan of it i think that with the property they have there um it's very uninspiring it's hard i think that you know you have to be playing well to play well there there's no doubt about it but there's to me there's a lot better golf courses on the ocean um that you know no one's ever heard of than tory pines and southern cal in general is is good i don't know if it's great but it's it's definitely good what do you think andy you spend a lot of time there I think it's really good the it, with the best golf courses, but then there's a pretty sharp fall off. And uh, anyone that's been out, spent time in Southern California knows it's a nightmare to get around. So that makes golfing in Southern California all the more difficult. So I would say that golf in Southern California is overrated because it's there's a lot of it, but I and the weather's great, but I just don't think I I think Palm Springs is like is just awful to be honest. <laughs> I've played a little bit. I've played PGA West. It's not that. I mean, it's fine. I don't. I don't. It's it's fine. It's, I don't think it's Indian Wells is kind of good. I I don't, I don't mind the golf out there. If you're into water fountains and 
fake water features and manufactured you know it, it is the desert it shouldn't be so lush and green and it's everything plays so soft there it, it's just not mm-hmm. my, it's just not my cup of tea so right <laughs> here's the, one as we keep getting into some of these questions how about overrated underrated labor disputes uh I think they're actually they might be underrated as they have a massive effect on on watching golf. Like you know, you think about the effect that it has on like the sponsors. Like Sony cannot be happy at all. No, I was I'm I'm with you. It's underrated because I was surprised. Like I, I was thinking during the coverage, I'm like, wow, good for these guys. They actually made like an imprint here because we're watching the blimp. Like that's amazing. You're watching the blimp try to, you know, go to the side so you don't have a palm tree in the way of Pat Gazire hitting his tee shot in the playoffs. So you can see mm-hmm. the ball. Okay, how about overrated, underrated Duval's 59, which came at this tournament, obviously. It was a 59 to win, so I think it's mm-hmm. drastically underrated. Yeah, I would say drastically underrated. And the way he did it wasn't by making 60-foot putts. It was by literally sticking every single iron shot he hit for 18 holes. Yeah, I don't think it could be rated enough. I think it's way underrated. He eagled 18 to shoot 59 to win the tournament. And, uh, you know, his career in general, I think, is so underrated. He was, like, the one guy that could really challenge Tiger. And granted, I mean, you know, Tiger always won those battles in the end, but if, if, you know, they always say like, oh my God, Thomas Bjorn would have like three majors if not for Tiger, but you never, I mean, Duvall could have six, you know, I know he was a little short on the, the major tally, but his, his, his career was really underrated as was the 59. Yeah. Duvall is the, 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 the quick decline is what ruins Duvall's career. Right. Totally. Um, He's pretty good on TV too. Like he, if you would ask me and 2002 if david duvall would have been good on tv i would have said you know absolutely zero percent chance but he's real good actually i think i like him so here's a question regarding you know kind of tv and tournaments barry w uh better for a tournament bunch leaderboard with smaller name players like last week at sony or a big name runaway win like kapalua for me, there's no doubt I'd rather watch a tighter golf tournament. Um, I, I would, I'd like to see the, you know, it's hard to compare ratings, um, you know, from one event to the next because the fields are different. They're on different weekends, but I can't imagine people like seeing eight shot wins. Um, you know, if you go back to the ratings when Rory won at Congressional or you know any any kind of blowout win, I can't imagine they're too good. I, I'd rather have eight guys with a chance on the back nine, even if I've only heard of four of them, then see Justin Thomas have a 10-shot lead, personally. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat as Kyle there. I'd much rather have the, the stacked leaderboard, but I, I can get from like a sponsor's viewpoint to where they'd rather have you know the big-name player running away with it as opposed to a bunch of no-names at top. I love what is close because you get to see how guys perform under pressure and, and a lot of times how younger or little-known guys like vie for like a career changing event a life changing event like we saw tom hoagie make that double bogey at uh Mm -hmm. sony and and you know if if he was leading by seven shots it wouldn't have mattered obviously i don't think tom hoagie would be leading by seven shots i was surprised i didn't really know much about tom hoagie and 
And uh, I thought he was like a 45-year-old who had been kicking it around the mini tours for a while. He's only 28. Yeah, that's kind of crazy. He's just got a name that screams 45-year-old. I mean, he did I, play with Tiger at the at the final round of what was that uh, in uh, in, the, in the Carolinas a couple of years ago, and Tiger came back. Uh, the Greensboro, the Greensboro. Greensboro, yeah, the event right before the PGA. I think he was a Tiger in the final round there. Here's that a was qu- the last time Tiger was in contention. Here's a question for uh, you, Polly: Overrated or underrated? Hot putters. Uh, I would say underrated. I think when they, in order to really win on tour a lot, I think you have to have a skill set that just dominates the competition. And if you can't hit the ball 370 yards on a string like DJ, you're going to have to catch a hot putter to win for a week. And that's kind of what Brian Harmon did the first two rounds this past week is he was making everything, and then he got a cold putter the last two days and kind of just went into neutral. Um, here's another one for you. Andrew Allen. In a season-long fantasy game, who's a better C player, Harold Varner or Ryan Armour? I think I know the answer to this. Oh, that, that was a toss-up. I mean, how, how can you give me that one? It's, it's definitely <laughs> going to be yeah, Ryan Armour there. So. We, we just wanted to give Andrew his, his answer if he hadn't picked You're it up earlier. You're the president of the Ryan Armour. Ryan Armour fan club. Yeah, I got C. Lou. You got Ryan Armour. Um, this year, we'll just remember that. So, so speaking of birdies and ratings overrated underrated birdie fest tournaments i think if it's like a normal event for a week i think birdie fests are good uh if you're talking like a major i'd rather have it where you know the score is like four to eight four to ten under par somewhere in that range so i think about this a little differently like i have no problem if the birdie fests are happening if the golf course is good if it's like thoughtful and like you know these guys are playing really well i think like what happens at really good golf courses is that like a few guys will really separate themselves. The best players like their separation when there's like 30 guys within four shots at 20 under, that's not good. Yeah. I I'm going to, I like carnage. I want to see like last year's web.com in the Bahamas where uh, people are just ejecting all over the place. I, for some, for some reason I find that entertaining probably because I know how it feels to go triple double, but, um, I just I'm entertained by that for some reason more than watching uh, someone birdie six out of seven and be three back. <laughs> that golf course is ejecting people again this year in better conditions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Norman, like, Norman rinsing his tee shot was amazing. <laughs> that was great. It's the ultimate uh, symbol for a Greg Norman resort course is him rinsing a tee shot. That should be the gif on the on the. Uh, GPS on the carts whenever you play a Greg Norman golf course. I'm just club twirling it right in the water. And the shark experience carts. That is true. The shark experience. <laughs> it's called having an iPad. <laughs> yes. Your iPhone can do all of this. <laughs> um, there was a good question from Hank here. Let me find it. It's actually, it was a cool idea. Um, Oh, is it the one about the uh, Tournament of Champions? Yep, here it is. An idea for Kapalua. Why not include all the winners of web events in the field, rewards the win, gives them the chance to earn valuable FedEx and world ranking points that they otherwise would not get, assures they don't get buried on the priority list. I, I mean, I, I like that idea. I I think that event needs some something. Um, 
to begin with. I, I was kind of bored by it, to be honest. I mean, obviously, DJ winning by a lot had something to do with that. But um, I, I think that uh, it would be great to have something different about that event. And that seems like, you know, as plausible as, as anything. Yeah, I think it'd be a great opportunity for those guys to build their hashtag brand, you know, also. So, you know, it also would help the tour with the marketability of some of their lower tier players. Like, I think that's one of the things they struggle with is like people only know like 10 golfers. And how do you get people acquainted with more golfers sooner? And that's a great opportunity. I feel like that's a very well watched event, despite it being kind of boring. Yeah, and I think it's because it's in the primetime TV segment, right? So if people are able to watch it for four or five hours at night, especially on the weekdays, instead of having the coverage, you know, from that 12 to 5 or 2 to 5 window that it normally is. Yeah, they need to do something with it. I, I don't know what it is, but they have such a good opportunity there to reach a lot of people. So who are you guys picking this week, one and done league? I'm going to go Brian Harmon because I think that um... – Everything Pauly said made sense. He's he's real hot, and I don't think I'm going to use him in a major, so might as well use him this week. Yeah, I'll be either going Harmon or, or possibly Reavy. Thinking unless I decide to, you know, maybe maybe go with a dark horse like JJ Spawn or something as well, possibly. Yeah, I'm probably going to go with Harmon. I'm I'm going to make a rare majority play my siwoo pick didn't work out for me last week so i need to get i need to get some points on the board jj spawn is a guy who's speaking of brand and building i mean he's so underrated that guy is good well i think he's another guy that's california raised went to san diego state so we'll see how he performs this week he could win this week yeah Yeah. all right well another uh episode of these previews down um polly Thanks for coming on, Kyle. Thanks for coming on. Follow these guys no on t- Twitter at Fried Egg Polly and uh, at Draws and Fades. You've been listening to the Fried Egg Podcast. We do the digging for you.